0: This sound recording is protected through international copyright. 2018, Dr. Cindy Mason and RadioAI.net. All rights reserved. Radio AI. Mm. Shh, come on. Dub, dub, dub RadioAI.net. Radio <laughs> Hey, cut it out. You're messing me up. The public resource for artificial intelligence literacy by the people who do AI. Hi, I'm Cindy Mason. I'm your host today on Radio AI. I've worked on AI and robotics at Stanford University... UC Berkeley, and NASA Ames. Radio AI is a public education program on artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is predicted to become one of the most important technologies in our future. Today we have a special podcast for you. It's an interview with Hans Thomas, live from the San Pedro Bay, where three robots and a team of researchers are preparing to launch for the next segment of their adventure as they explore the undersea environment. Hans is in charge of the undersea vehicles out of a research institute in Monterey California called Mabari, the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. And that's a mouthful. Well Hans left on a boat with a big crane and a team of I think 12 people and three undersea robots that will be at sea for about a month on this mission. And we happened to catch Hans when he was in the port of San Pedro off the coast here of California while they were restoring their supplies. And Hans is talking about what his robots are up to. They're actually mapping the seafloor uh, near a location off California where they're taking a nuclear power plant offline. and they're trying to establish the quality of the seafloor and the ground there near the power plant so they can put up some windmills. Hans is going to be talking to us about how the robots navigate and what happens when they're at sea. Before we jump into the technical part of the podcast with Hans, I wanted to check in with the audience and find out how many of you are divers or have snorkeled. And understand what it's like to be under the ocean or in the ocean and uh, to hear it and smell it and feel it. And it's, it's the environment that these robots and and these researchers are operating in. So I'm going to play some sounds that are recorded from under the sea. And if you are a diver or a snorkeler, you will enjoy it. And if you've never been In a situation like that, you will find it very strange and unusual, like almost another planet, another world. And it really is. So let's play that now. And then we will get into the technical aspects of our podcast with Hans. That was the sound of the depth. I played this for you partly to create an understanding of the environment the the robots are in, but also because in order to create undersea vehicles that can accomplish things, they're faced with a, a lot of different challenges than they are here on the surface of the earth. First of all, it's wet, so the housing and the cables and everything has to function when it's wet and when it's under pressure. And there can be a number of challenges getting it in and out of the water and the instruments that we need in order to find out what's left and right and the dimensions that you can move in. How do you do that? It's a very different set of instruments, very different set of challenges from wheels or treads or even drones that fly. In fact, the challenges of undersea vehicles are more similar to what it takes to fly an airplane or a drone than it is robots on land. Just to give you a little heads up before we talk to Hans, I need to give you a little bit of a geek alert, okay, the the talk is going to get a little bit nerdy. Sometimes he will use words like accelerometer, or Doppler effect or Doppler shift. He's talking about some of the sensors and instruments that are on board the undersea robot that it uses to guide itself in a certain direction, or to get from one place on a map to another. In our cars, we use a GPS and we look at the map, but kind of like dolphins and other undersea creatures, they have to be able to detect how fast they're going, that's velocity, the rate of change in that fast, that speed, that is how fast they're speeding up or slowing down, that's called an accelerometer. He also uses the word Doppler. A Doppler instrument on an undersea vehicle has a signal that it bounces off of uh, an object at a distance. And it does this in order to determine the object's motion or its distance as it's moving. Sometimes you'll hear this term Doppler radar used in weather or to measure uh, a baseball, the speed of a baseball or sometimes in uh, aviation. It's a tool that's used on board or an undersea robot as well. It's a little bit like what some of the undersea creatures do. When we pick up with Hans, he's in the middle of talking about how the robots navigate, how they find the location to go to and what it is they're actually doing when they're out in the ocean. I hope you find this as amazing as I do. Okay, here we go. Well, we're, we're actually on the
1: dock in, in San Pedro uh, we're in the har- in the harbor here yeah we're we have two, two mapping vehicles that were that were operating.
0: When you say mapping vehicle, they're autonomous undersea robots or what do you yeah
1: yeah they look like big torpedoes.
0: So how do you drive those things Do they have a map inside and they go by themselves or
1: they have an inertial navigation system inside at, at these and they, they can measure their altitude over the bottom and they're they're programmed to basically fly between latitude and longitude waypoints
0: like a gps they have like a gps except it's 3d
1: well it's it's called an inertial navigation system so this is a set of gyroscopes and accelerometers and a and a a, a kind of sonar called a Doppler sonar that measures the speed of the vehicle over the bottom
0: a, dop- and, a doppler, and, doppler sonar. That was that sound, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an acoustic system that measures uh, the Doppler shift in, in four, uh, four essentially four directions. So there are four beams that measure the along track and cross track velocity of the robot, and essentially use that like an odometer uh, to perform dead uh, reckoning.
0: What so, dead, dead reckoning means, like, where you're exactly at?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so,
0: it, so it's like a dolphin it, or something. We
1: use to compute the, the heading and the pitch and the, the roll of the vehicle. We use the Doppler sonar to compute velocity. And then there are accelerometers that are integrated uh, to get uh, velocity and position, and those are, those are also used to, to provide a, a more... Uh, a, a more a fuller picture of the physics of the movement of the vehicle,
0: and an accelerometer is how fast you're going. And no, the and rate of
1: how fast you're accelerating.
0: Oh, acceler- of course, acceler. Okay, and then um, is that kind of like what dolphins and whales? Because dolphins and whales kind of have to move through space and know where they're at too right everything in the ocean does yeah
1: dolphin yeah most animals have some form of biomagnetic uh capability you know they they can measure uh with with different organs in their head they can sort of measure magnetic heading uh and then periodically they surface and and I don't know. They may have magic. Anim- animals can do some amazing things in terms of navigation that that we don't completely understand. So
0: uh, so what are you collecting data? Or are you making a map, or what do you what do you?
1: Yeah, well, we we collect uh, bathymetric data that measures the three three dimensional shape of the bottom, and then we have sonars that can image into the first fifty seventy five meters of mud and give us a. Uh, essentially a backscatter image of what the sediments look
0: like. Ooh, and, you're measuring mud. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird. Did the did the robots get dirty when they come up? Like, you put them down in the water with a crane,
1: and then how yeah, do they... we put them over the side with a crane, and then uh, run them around. And um, But we try not to hit the bottom.
0: <laughs> so you have and, telepresence? Uh, Are you guiding them at all, or do they have their own...
1: They have their own onboard computer program that they run that that uh, that they're deriving, uh, you know, that, that, that controls, you know, what, what their behavior is. So, you know, it's a lot like, you know, it's similar to, like, the indoor mobile robots that we used to drive around, except, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's running around in the ocean.
0: So can you see what they see? Do they have a camera on board, and you can see it from the ship? Or?
1: Once we recover the vehicle, we can... We can uh, look at the data, but we really don't have the ability to look at much of the uh, data in real time.
0: The, oh, because it's too uh, far away? Can... Or... What's that? Cause is there a cable on the robot, or is it powered by itself?
1: It, it's powered by itself. It has batteries.
0: Ah, so there's no cable that has carries a, a television signal or uh, camera we, signal. We
1: have a, a robot like that on board that we'll be using in another 10 days or so as part of another mapping exercise. But right now we're just using, using these, uh, torpedoes to cruise around.
0: Torpedo. Is that what you call it? That sounds like.
1: That's what we call it. Oh
0: no. Call it a sausage or something.
1: (laughs) Sausage.
0: Okay. (laughs) An underwater, an underwater hot dog. I don't know. Um, what else was kind of, uh, curious about. So, so basically you're mapping, you're kind of mapping. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's all mapping work. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and then how do you? Does it ever get lost? How do you? How does it find its way back to the ship?
1: It it usually doesn't get lost. It, well, it's programmed to run a very specific mission, and when the navigation system works, it's within meters of that that track line. So we we can track it from the ship. We have acoustic systems that let us let us follow it from the ship and know where it is. And then when it surfaces, it has radio beacons and strobes mm. and other, uh, other things on it that make it, make it easy for us to find it. It has satellite positioning tags. <laughs> so it can send us a, send us an email message saying this is Whoa! where I'm at. <laughs> That's,
0: That's amazing. Stuff. That is cool. Yeah. What boat are you on or how many people are on the boat?
1: Uh, we carry twelve. This trip will have eleven people on board, but we can carry a maximum of twelve people.
0: Wow! The Where do they sleep?
1: We all have bunks. We have a a deck full of bunks.
0: What kind of boat is it? Is it like a, a Coast Guard vessel or?
1: It, it, it's, uh, the, the boat itself started out as an oil field supply boat, what's called an OSV or an offshore supply vessel. So it has a big, a big back deck and a big house way up forward, and a bunch of cranes on it. And winches and robots and all that kind of
0: stuff. So you have winches. You got bunk beds, and you got. Do you have a ladder hanging off the back so you can get down in the water with the robot if you want?
1: Um, I don't think we brought the dive ladder with us. Normally, we don't go swimming with the robot. Sometimes we we have had swim falls and we go for swims, but uh, you know, the uh, for the most part, we don't need to go into the water to recover the vehicle. We can reach over the side with the crane and we have a way of hooking into it and Mm. then we pick it up, bring it back on board.
0: How long will you be at sea or on this mission?
1: Uh, This next leg will be seven days and we come back into port for three days to change out things and switch over to doing uh, the ROV part, the the robot with the cable, and then we'll be doing that for ten days or so. So I've got like another two weeks Wow, uh, kind of two and a half weeks of screwing around.
0: And now, why are you guys doing this again? What What was the reason for it? Well,
1: this trip is primarily looking at n- near-shore geologic structures like like seismic faults and uh, canyons that can pose potential uh, hazards um, depending on how active they become. So, so like this, for this,
0: this, construction, for so like.
1: Is all- on these near-shore geological hazards,
0: and the reason you're interested in that is not for the safety, but for construction of like wind farms or what? I mean- um,
1: in some in some cases, we are looking at things that could cause you know potentially catastrophic, uh, you know, tsunami-like waves and things like that. But the work of the work off Morro Bay was more to understand the, the hazards that things might pose to you know, the, the construction elements of this uh, wind farm as well as to understand the potential seafloor impacts of laying the cables and the anchors and the other things they have to do to
0: oh. put
1: the uh, you know to put the uh, systems in place.
0: It sounds like it's getting windy there. Are you outside or
1: Yeah the, yeah the wind uh, I, I I, I had managed to find a lead, but the wind, wind moved around on me a little bit.
0: Oh, okay. So when you put the wind farm out in Morro Bay, it's going to be out in the ocean. It's not going to be on land?
1: That's it's going to be out in the ocean.
0: Holy smokes.
1: It's an interesting concept. It, a, a lot of it's driven by the existing power line infrastructure that's there for the nuclear power plant. It gives them the ability to... To, to cheaply tie the uh, energy from the wind farm into the grid, and and also by the large amount of wind, the, the high wind levels that are present offshore there. So, in in a lot of respects, putting wind farms offshore is very expensive, and in some cases doesn't make good economic sense. But you know, for this for this particular wind farm, you know, that you might be able to make the numbers work.
0: It sounds great. I love it. I love this project. Well. Thank you. you're doing good? You've been listening to a special Radio AI podcast live from the San Pedro Bay, where three robots and a team of researchers are preparing to launch for the next segment of their adventure as they explore the undersea environment. This has been your host, Cindy Mason. Stay tuned for more Radio AI podcasts.